Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to part two of understanding the infamy of Ted Kaczynski. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about his condition of what happened to him as a child, being put in a hospital, not having contact with his family, as a result of him going to Harvard at 16 and potentially being part of the MK Ultra program, and then what contributing factors could have potentially led to him on the trajectory of violence. Within this episode, we're going to get into some details. We're going to go over it. We're going to provide some insight and do an overview of what forced him to be galvanized into a radical technology terrorist so let's get into it known as the unabomber ted kaczynski is mentally disordered and mental illness is a legitimate mitigating factor in other news ted kaczynski admits he is the unabomber with blood 23 injuries and now a third death these bombs were now getting stronger the most dangerous serial bomber in u.s history From the time I was a child, I had this realization that my brother was special. The second professor this week is hurt by a male bomb. The bomb was placed inside a hollowed out section of a book. 16 bombs in 17 years. The case, codenamed Unibomb. I asked mom, what's wrong with Teddy? Why is he like this? Wow. I mean, when I listen to that intro, it's really crazy to really think about this story and the impact it had. But I think what's really interesting and fascinating, and I studied this in university, is what it takes for somebody to, to use radical violence in order to get their mean, means across. In a lot of ways, you know, we look at Ted Kaczynski and he fits the definition of a terrorist. He had strong ideology and he used violence as a means. But how did he get there? Yesterday, we went into some aspects of his early life and childhood and kind of what happened after he left Harvard, I think, was really, really interesting to potentially lead him on this path. You know, we have to understand that there was a moment where Ted Kaczynski really thought all he needed to do in life was live in a cabin and be isolated in order to become a hermit. Now, whenever we look at Ted Kaczynski's early life, um, he actually was a mathematician. He went to the University of Michigan and there he would actually get a stipend, I think around $2,000, and he would work on his careers potentially working in math and working in geometry. You know, he worked in complex analysis, and he would have publications there. Now, what's really interesting at this time is we kind of look at the people who would have known him or who would have been around him, and one person comes to mind, and his name was Alan Shields. Now, Alan Shields was known and probably one of the best um, mathematicians as it relates to geospatial analysis at the time. And he actually was a mentor to Ted Kaczynski. And he said, quote, best man I have ever seen. So Alan Shields really thought Ted Kaczynski was really special at this time. Now, throughout this whole time, as he's working to get his PhD, he's teaching as well. 
And he's going through getting a lot of publications, looking at different concepts of math and geospatial mathematics. Now, probably what's really interesting about it is it's pretty high level stuff. I mean, if if we get into it, um, you know, it, I like I wouldn't even know what it is. But it was really tuned to a special finite group, and I think that really speaks probably to Ted Kaczynski trying to go deep and find the true answers. Now, what's really interesting is when we look at the progression of Ted Kaczynski, we've talked a little bit about his childhood in MK Ultra, but we have another moment in later in life, and it actually takes place in 1966. Now, at this point in time, what had happened is Ted Kaczynski came under the impression or the thought that he wanted to be a female. He kind of came to this moment where he's, he recognized the fact that he wanted to be a, a woman. And as a result of it, he went into an office and got a psychiatrist evaluation of potentially asking what it would take to um, change genders. Now, as a result of this, he kind of had a moment where he got frustrated and he did not want to have this this after it, he realized he didn't want this procedure to take place. So as a result of it, he kind of got this idea that he wanted to kill the physician and he wanted to kill anybody who dis disturbed him or gave him any kind of discomfort. So as is in the waiting room, he changed his mind and he left. And he really talks about this point as a rebirth for him. So in 19, 1966, he kind of gains this mentality of being ruthless if people come across him or they're doing things that don't align with his ideology. Now, what's really interesting is this would probably spearhead him into using violence as a means because he got so angry at society, it's almost like the only thing he thought he could do was use violence in order to get back. Now, as a result of this moment, it kind of changed Ted Kaczynski because he was working in Berkeley, he had his PhD on the rise getting these um, publications and people generally thought he was a great person. But this all kind of changed around 1971 where him and his brother took a trip in Canada because they were looking for potentially buying land. See, at this point, Ted Kaczynski was growing stronger and stronger about not having any connection to technology. You know, he really thought technology was the root of all evil and corporate interests were going to take over. So what he wanted to do is become a neo-Luddite. Now, when we hear the word Luddite, what it actually means is someone who doesn't want anything to do with technology coming from a cultural coming from a revolution that happened in London I think as a result of workers who didn't want a, sp a specific piece of technology implemented and they banned and they were called Luddites and this is a term that's potentially used for people who don't use or want any technology so this is a lifestyle that he wanted to live so as he was going and looking for land in Canada he, he tried to apply for a permit but what happened is he actually got um, he couldn't get it so he moved back in with his parents and then he found out that his brother was out in Montana and he went out there and lived, lived, lived with him looking for a place to potentially live. And he landed on a piece of land about six miles out of Lincoln, Montana. Now, it was about a 10 by 15 cabin and it was very, very crude. I mean, when we think about it, it didn't have running water. It didn't have electricity. It had a bed, um, probably two chairs and a lot of books. Now, this is where he would spend the rest of his life until he would get arrested. So he's moving there at a young age in order to live. And, you know, at this time he took a lot of odd jobs, you know, and he really relied on his family for money. He relied on his brothers. And, and this situation probably is what 
prompted him to want to find some type of job or do something in order to become more independent and live off the land. But during this time, too, we start to see these, these transition points of violence. And within it is he was noticing a neighbor riding motorcycles, and he went and he did this extreme kind of, well, I'm going to go ahead and let him talk about it within it on this next clip. Uh, ride, uh, ride motorcycles on the road that was supposed to be closed, that sort of thing. And they just didn't give a damn. And um, I, after I figured I had about as much as I could take of that, I uh, picked a nice rainy day when no one would be around. I went over and <laughs> took an action there. Now, when he says a bit of damage, he completely demolished this house. It was a small cabin. He used this axe, and he went through the door. He went through the whole house, and it really created a situation where, you know, didn't know what happened. And this was constantly happening. So he started using violence slowly by slowly, inch by inch. And there was a housing developed being built close to where he lived, and he didn't like it being there. So what he did is he created booby traps. He did everything he could to stop this housing development from happening. Now, in my opinion, whenever you look at when someone becomes radicalized, it's whenever they want to capture their identities and ideology. So whenever we kind of look at it, we start to understand probably the radicalization point. Now, now him moving out into a cabin in the woods, isolated with his thoughts, reading materials, having that those principles we knew, what he thought about technology and society, could potentially been the moment where he had straight um, where he was radicalized. He radicalized himself. And one of the things he was using is reading the book called The Technology Society by Jacques Ull, who is a French author who is really getting into detail talking about how society is corrupt through technology. Corporate systems are, are corrupt and technology is kind of taking away um, kind of taking away humans' ideology. And we knew this is something that Ted Kaczynski shared and he took this around almost like his Bible, reading it, writing through it, and understanding it. And he got to a point within it that he, he probably really started to shape his thoughts on the world, and he really probably thought people weren't doing right. Now, we can, we can tell by that motorcycle conversation where he wanted to go to someone's house and, and use an axe. He had no respect for property. He thought they were going against what he thought, and he thought they didn't, they, he thought they didn't have any respect. So he was using this means. And potentially that radicalization point can also happen in 1966 where he was saying he wanted to be a woman, but then in that moment he had a realization where in fact he wanted to kill the psychologist and anybody who ever crossed him. And I really think this is the transition point where we get um, Ted Kaczynski probably using violence as a means or no longer having that sense of compassion or empathy, in fact, that everybody was trying to take something from him. And I think this audio clip kind of shows that in how his reaction in the relationship with humanity and technology. You can't, you can't live as a, as a free person, as a, as a member of a large-scale system. There is another way to live, and you don't have to live the way we do in this system. So this was kind of the just cause. You can say we don't have to live in this system. He actually thought that technology was a way to captivate people and make them soft. And this is kind of his approach and why he started to use bombing as a means to get that message out. Now, what's really interesting is during the early um, aspects of it, we kind of get this moment happen from 
If we think about the timeline, he left and went on his own way around 1971. Around May 1978 is actually when he first sent his first bomb. He would have went ahead and sent it actually to Northwest University in Chicago. Now, remember, he was a Chicago native, and you know he was actually going after a professor, and he put the bomb in a brown paper bag and put a return address to the to the professor and what happened is someone ended up taking it now he had two bombs that were quick in succession so what happened is he was trying to probably test different techniques and around may 9th 1979 he actually placed another pipe bomb at northwest university and a graduate student picked it up and it did give him some minor injuries now these are all moments where he's starting to kind of gain and trying to determine what he's doing He's trying to hone in and become a serial bomber. Now, these are all significant aspects, but what really caught probably the intention of the government and the FBI is what happened in late November 15th. Now, this was actually a bomb that was placed on American Airline Flight 444 en route to Chicago to Washington. Another indicator from Chicago to Washington. Now, what's really important is when the FBI start to profile um, Ted Kaczynski, they really start to look at the simple fact of the, the proximity of the bombing and what's happening Northwest and American Airlines. Now, the bomb never went off on the plane, thank God. But what happened is it, what happened is it created a situation where smoke inhalation was sparked off. And as a result of it, 12 passengers were treated for it. And... This kind of what prompted a, a transition point within the security apparatus. And what they did is they formulated a group focusing on planes and universities. And this is where the name Unabomb came from and how he became the Unabomber. Now, this was really starting to take place because what we had is we, ha we had people kind of starting to identify it and the public starting to become aware of it. Now, between 1980 and 1985, he the portrayal of the serial bomb starts to happen. And on June 3rd, 1980, he actually bombs Percy Wood, the president for American Airlines, received a letter in the mail, and the letter was open. And soon after that, it was signed as Inch E. Fisher a week later. Now, this kind of took place in the Ice Brothers, and what Ted Kaczynski would constantly do is create different kind of clues that potentially would throw off the FBI so they didn't know what to look for, if they'd have issues actually profiling them. Now, Percy Wood didn't die from this national explosion, but what it did is it injured and maimed him. Now, we kind of have these points happening where we're starting to take off and people are starting to take note on it. Now, once again, we have another bombing that takes place in October 1981, and it hit a student, so he's still bombing these universities and where he ended up doing... In Vandenberg so he kept bombing these universities and going after potentially you know who knows it's like really interesting that it was universities and he was kind of trying to bomb in order to gain insight and information about the technology movement now he had a lot of bombings during this time but the one that would really happen to be fatal is in 1985 where he would actually kill Hugo Scranton now Hugo was working at a computer um, office and what happened is there was a log in front of his car and he was trying to move it and as a result of it, um, it exploded and killed him. 
Um, now, there was some randomness whenever he selected his targets. So he also would end up killing Thomas Moss in 1941, and he was known for um, cleaning up the Exxon pipeline and helping with the marketing. And he'd also end up killing Gilbert Brett Murray, who was in fact Forest Society. And from there, um, he would end up also killing these three gentlemen. Now, this really sparked the whole transition point. And I think probably what's most interesting about this is the intent and the randomness and how long it went on. I mean, 20 years. I remember as a kid, I've talked about it before, being scared to go look in the mail because I grew up during this time. Now, I think this story is really significant because we see the turning point. We see the point in which he is starting to use violence and actually killing people throughout his 20-year span. Now, I think what's probably really interesting about the story is what the FBI was doing and, and how Ted Kaczynski wanted to publish a manifesto to get notoriety. And that information I'll get into on the third part of this special. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. And don't forget to like and follow and hit me up on Instagram at the Master of None.